0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. On earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, traditionally, or at least as I've come to see it, Ash Wednesday has given our world the much-needed reminder that we are, after all, mortal. While our culture holds the topic of death far away at arm's length, it seems, the Bible speaks frequently about death, and so does Jesus, and so do we here on Ash Wednesday. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. We say as we make the sign of the cross on our foreheads in black ashes. But this year feels different. Death has regularly been on our minds for the past year from the fear and the grief brought on by this pandemic to the loss of jobs and the loss of a sense of security the loss of future plans, death has felt much closer than an arm's length away. It doesn't feel like we need a reminder of death here in February of 2021, but what we do need and what Ash Wednesday in the season of Lent, I would argue, ultimately provide to us through a focus on repentance and honest self-reflection is a deepening of our trust and a deepening of our hope resting on the goodness and grace of God rather than on ourselves. I grew up here in Charlottesville, and when I go out and I bump into old friends from school and they hear that I'm a priest now, they honestly give me a pretty funny look. You? Really? You work at a church, they seem to say, with their eyes. The combination of confusion on their face along with the quick adjustment of their physical posture communicates that they're not only judging me a bit, but they're also feeling judged by me at the same time. And I honestly don't blame them. The fact is too often the church is all law and no grace. It's a schoolhouse of discipline and judgment disguised as self-improvement. And even within the church, particularly during Lent, we make this same mistake thinking that the main thrust of Christianity is an opportunity to simply be better by picking up this practice or dropping that habit. We make a mistake when we turn Lent or any part of the Christian life into a structure of control that places our hope for healing and reconciliation into our own hands. The English writer and philosopher Alan de Baton writes about architecture of all things in a similar way as a literal structure that can suggest or mold us into the better or best version of ourselves. But in a stroke of humility and profound honesty about the human condition, he ends up saying this in his book called The Architecture of Happiness. He says this, It seems reasonable to suppose that people will possess some of the qualities of the buildings they're drawn to or construct for themselves, but whatever the theoretical affinities between beauty and goodness, it's undeniable that in practice, farmhouses and lodges, mansions and apartments have played host to numerous tyrants, to characters with a chilling indifference to the disjuncture between the qualities manifested in their surroundings and in their actual lives. Thankfully, discipline or structures that we create like this that's not what Christianity is about it's not what Lent is about and it's not what repentance is about and a reading from Joel today that Sam just read there's a great sense of urgency blow the trumpet in Zion we hear over and over again something is wrong we can tell and these people know it and so do we But because of the energy and necessity that leaps out at us from this text, this doesn't come across as a morose or a gloomy description of things. It's an honest and it's a direct depiction of a people who know that they are in need. Sometimes Lent and its emphasis on repentance can come across as a bit of a downer. But repentance is not about feeling bad or feeling dejected. Repentance is simply about honesty. When it's phrased with the simplicity and beauty of our prayer book, repentance and the need for forgiveness is something that no one can deny. Listen to these lines from one of the versions of our confession We have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We've left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we've done those things which we ought not to have done. I have yet in my entire life to meet a person, even one of my old childhood friends, who cannot identify in some respect with this sentiment. No honest human experience is free from regret. We may do our best to ignore this, to shove the anxiety, the guilt, and the fear deep down within us, but this Lent, I invite you and all of us to hear the trumpet blast from Zion that we heard in this reading, to lay down our guns and to simply look at ourselves in the mirror with a bit of honesty and vulnerability. What you'll see in doing this is someone looking back at you who's in need, someone just like the rest of us, someone like every single child of God. You'll see someone who is in need, but you'll also see someone whose need has been met by the death and resurrection of Jesus, someone who's been met with mercy and with grace Yet, even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, Joel writes. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. These are good words. It all reminds us that this simple act of repentance, rend your hearts and not your clothing, of this simple act of honest acknowledgement of who we are, this isn't met by the condemnation and the judgment of the world. It doesn't result in us stiffening up our posture or projecting out into the world some cold piety in the way that Jesus warns us against in the gospel reading today. Instead, the grace that we receive from Christ delivers us from fear. It relaxes our shoulders and redirects our hopes away from ourselves and towards the God who is faithful, to the God whose outstretched hand will never let us go. A teacher of mine once described experiencing this recognition of what Christianity is truly about in everyday life like this. I've always admired many of the things Jesus said. Even as a child, I was impressed by his compassion and his love for troubled, wounded people. But I could not make the link between the impressive, impressive things he said and did and the idea that he was God's son. That seemed beyond belief. To go from inspired wisdom to God in Christ was an awesome leap. Later in college, and then after becoming a husband and father, I felt as though I needed him, or rather, I needed his compassion. In the middle of my own struggles and losses, even impasses, it was not enough to be like him. And my life experience showed me that being like him was impossible. What I craved was his sympathy, his outstretched hand— That hand I experienced, who he was, the friend of sinners to use the old words, trumped the very excellent things that he taught. And as it turned out, my doing of the good deeds he taught actually hinged on the person of Christ saving me, I who had found myself paralyzed and blocked from doing those deeds. When I felt myself loved in my chains, and my paralysis, that feeling of being loved seemed to trigger the very motivation and strength that had failed me before. If all we have in Jesus is an example or a teacher, if we lose sight of the cross for just one second, then Christianity becomes just another form of self-help that may have good intentions, but in time, it'll be thrown onto the heap with the rest of the self-help systems that don't ever get to the root of the problem. Ourselves. People in need of saving, in need of mercy. No matter what season or year it is, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or left undone, no matter who or what you've lost. The goodness of God and God's grace is for you. He will never keep us at arm's length. Instead, he's stretched out his arms to us once and for all on the cross. And so may God bless you with his grace this Ash Wednesday, this Lent. May God bless you with his grace and mercy at all times and in all places. Amen.